Welcome back to season two. We are so grateful for your continued support and for those new to the podcast. We look forward to sharing our getting dirty and growing strong stories with you. Where the Lotus Grows is an entirely listener-supported show. Supporting us is also designed to support you through keeping the growth flowing and also through rewards like guided meditations, personal affirmations, and extended behind-the-scenes content of our adventures in podcasting. Hop over and visit patreon.com backslash where the lotus grows and become a supporting member of the Cratitarian community. Where the lotus grows. Where the lotus grows. Cratitarians getting dirty and growing strong. Cratitarians, welcome back. We've got another episode with a little bit of news from Kim. So what do we what have we learned on our exciting journey today, Kim? <laughs> Yesterday I spent uh, most of the day at the hospital. Uh, one was having my port flushed. You have to have your port flushed every six to eight weeks to keep mm-hmm. that opening. And just a reminder for um maybe some creditarians that are meeting us late. Uh, the port is put into your second largest vein. It's in your neck, just underneath your collarbone area. So pieces there and then another piece kind of goes up towards the neck. But that's how they access. Um, and and it's like to sewn blood. in, right? It's like yeah, it's kind of, in. it's not permanent, but it's semi-permanent it's, for the purpose that they need it for. Yeah, it's a closed device. It's underneath the skin. It, it sits in a little fascial pocket, um, and then they they stick a you know a needle in, and then there is tubing that comes out from that. They call it plumbing, and they'll hook different various things up to it. Mm-hmm. So they always ask you, you know, how do you have to be plumbed today? And I, my last time I had my port accessed, it was you know very traumatic. We could flush it, but we couldn't get a blood return. My chest was all bruised and swollen from surgery. I, I think I was barely two weeks out from surgery uh, when we had this done. And uh, so I, it's not a fun thing for me. It sits on a nerve. But I found a, a lady, and she was really calm. And that makes a big difference when they are calm. Yeah. And I told her last time, you know, the nurse was pumping the syringe quite a bit, and it creates a discomfort for me. And she says, yeah, I don't do that technique. So we found that uh, just big breaths with me looking to my left and my arm up. And if I stayed with my breath, uh, she was able to do her work and she was patient and just let my blood come, uh, which is really, really nice. It's, It's less traumatic on me as a patient when I discover someone like that. So from there, Nick and I headed over to uh, the radiation department, and uh, we decided not to move our car, and we weren't sure we could park in the radiation lot, uh, you know, to go get my port. We, it was, it was going to be an mm-hmm. extra hour. So we walked to the hospital. We kind of startled people because we didn't arrive in the same way. <laughs> so we got kind mm. of a big, you know, uh, we, we, I, we, I don't want to call it lectured, but we were informed <laughs> and walked out to the parking <laughs> lot. We're like, but we had other 
services here today, you know? So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a thing. They take a picture of you, which was kind of interesting too, I thought. And kind of like you get your driver's oh, for your badge. picture done. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, the first day that you go, they'll give you a little parking hangar. Um, and the parking lot is really close to the door, which makes it really super nice. Um, and then they'll punch it each time that you go in. But after that, I had some forms to fill out and uh, you change into a hospital gown. And from there you go, they have like a, a male room and a female room uh, that you sit in your hospital gown, which I thought that was a little odd that they separated us. I'm not really sure why, because we were completely clothed. But mm-hmm. um, from there, I went in for my simulation, which they do the simulation on a uh, CT scan uh, machine. You're, okay. They're taking different, they were taking different pictures to help them figure out dosing and, and where they'll send the dose in my body. And so two nurses get you onto this little skinny bed. I, I mean, uh, my arms, if my arms were going to be at my side, there wasn't even anything for them to lay on. It's that skinny. And when you get on, there's a, it's hard uh, plastic, uh, carbon fiber, I think maybe. And it's, mm-hmm. um, it has like a, there's like this little divot that comes up and your sits bones sit on it. Matter of fact, my sits bones were a little sore when I got off the machine. Mm-hmm. And then they have foam that they uh, support your shins on. I needed mine a little higher. Uh, it took off less pressure on my psoas that's still trying to open up in my chest from surgery. And then your arms go up over your head uh, and you they give you a little circle to hang on to. And so your mm-hmm. elbows are bent. And they there are these like laser beams, you know. It reminds me of... Uh, now you don't need a tape measure, right? You can hold a device and a oh, like a level, like a off. laser level. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So those come out, and um, you know, there's a sheet underneath you, and they'll say, "Don't you don't move? We'll move you," because they are working on such a precise uh, level. And then mm-hmm. they put some little um, silver beadlets that are stuck to you. That those come off afterwards. But they put them there as reference points. There's three of them, one in the middle of your chest and one on either side. Uh, And then they they bring in the doctors uh, that will start marking, mark like a square on you. Uh, That they use kind of a, it looked like a Sharpie pen, kind of. So on your skin. On my skin. And that was the first time that you know, they're, they're pressing to and feeling where bones are. It's the most touch that I've had there since mm-hmm. I've had surgery. So I was a little nervous about it. The most tender spot spot was on my side still. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I had two nurses, two technicians in there, and then the two doctors came in uh, and someone else popped in and I, I don't know what she did, but, um, the two doctors got to talking mm-hmm. about, you know, the case and, you know, one's teaching the other and, you know, just refining a little bit. And so they're randomly while they're doing this, touching me and I could feel myself starting 
to be triggered by it. And so all of a sudden, all of a sudden I stopped and everybody introduced themselves to me. It's not like, you know, there was a surprise, but I I had to stop. And I Mm -hmm. thought, this is my moment to speak up. And so I turned my head to the doctor, the head doctor in charge, my radiation oncologist. And I said, may I offer some feedback? (laughs) And I thought of the moon ladies. Good for you. Yes, that's funny. (laughs) And she said, oh, yes, yes, please go right ahead. And I think I had to say, you know, may I offer feedback twice, you know, to actually be heard. And um, I said, I am a trauma victim. And what's happening right now is not working for me. And she said, oh, my gosh. And I said, what I need you to do is I understand you're having a conversation amongst yourselves, but I need you to tell me when you're going to touch me. And she said, I'm so sorry. And I'm so happy that you just spoke up. The, their department had never been through trauma training. And Mm -hmm. one of their physicists just recently put together a workshop for them. And she said, we had never thought Mm -hmm. about it in radiation, uh, that this could be traumatic for some patients. And she said, here I am. I was excited to learn it. I understood why it would be valuable. And yet it didn't transfer into this room. Right. And so she would go to do something. They would both go to do something and say something. And the nurse or the technician would have to say she's about to touch her sternum because she's still, it still wasn't registering. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because as yoga therapists, we're taught first to ask in the beginning, hey, we're, mm-hmm. there's going to be some touch. Is it going to be okay to touch? To have permission this, to touch, yeah. In this case, there was going to be a lot of touching in the beginning. And they could have said there's going to be a lot of touching, you know, from the clavicle to the sternum to the rib to the side to the armpit. Is that okay? Then mm-hmm. even though we are going to touch someone trained as a yoga therapist, we will then, even though we've gotten the blanketed yes, I then always say, thank you. If you're uncomfortable at any time, let me know. And I will try to use my words better. Mm -hmm. If I then am going to touch a shoulder, I always say, I'm about to touch your shoulder. I'm going to touch your arm. Even as I'm touching, I'm still giving a verbal before my hand lands. And I really think that would have went a long way because... Here I am laying in this position with my arms overhead. Uh, You know, I've got people around me. You're not supposed to turn your head, so I'm supposed to stay looking up. So you're not making eye contact. And and even after I asked that, um, you know, asked for that and, you know, they graciously allowed, you know, then tears started coming. (laughs) And they were like, what's happening? And I said, I just need 30 seconds to re-regulate my nervous system, because we know that trauma really is a nervous system response, right? It, it mm-hmm. lives in the nervous system. The nurse then asked one of the technicians, she says, I'm really for pro uh, women's health and women speaking up. And she walked away and, and she had asked everyone if there could only just be her and I in the room. She's like, you didn't need an audience. I could tell that that was creating a lot of commotion for you. Yeah. And so uh, it was her and I most of the time. And uh, 
after I got up, there was a, a glassed in room and I could see that most people went back there. She did ask me, you know, is it, is it difficult for you to have a male touching you versus a female? And I said, you know, in the beginning, that probably would have been the case, but I don't find that the case so much. And one of my doctors um, is male, but he has a really nice, calming, soft, uh, empathetic presence about him, a healing presence about him. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that I wanted the female doctor to touch me more than the male doctor. Um, I just needed the the, the verbal. Yeah, no, what's your question? Well, do I would wonder from your situation um, that perhaps because they're kind of talking over you, like that you're not included, yeah, makes I it think that was a more part. triggering as well. Like, not necessarily that there's other nurses or student doctors, because that's that's a that's a pro and a con, right? You're, you, you have, you and I have been the student in the medical facility. And so, and that's how they learn. And you obviously want to facilitate that. Um, But the other side of it is when you are the patient, if the doctors are talking amongst themselves over you and not including you, I could see where that, like not only crowding you in, and being over you and you're in a position where you can't move. (laughs) Um, But also that, that because you're not included, like I could see where that would be very triggering as well. Not necessarily who it is, but the how. That's an awesome point. And I did think about that because, you know, this doctor did come back three times and apologize to me. I appreciate Mm -hmm. that. I don't need three apologies. Like, I'm not going to sue anybody or create a big stink about anything. That's just not who I am. Yeah. What I would rather do or have been asked is, hey, this is new to our department. Um, You know, can you share with us what we could have done better? I I would have happily have done that. And I still think that I might have that conversation with both of them, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, at least offer that. But absolutely, because they're off to the side barely in my periphery having the conversation which I can hear and then all of a sudden you know they're closer and there's a hand on me Mm -hmm. I when I'm teaching I like to either have those types of educational conversations either outside the door of the patient or I like to have it with the patient involved in our conversation yeah so that that person is present and and I situate Usually the student is where the student needs to be. And then I situate myself as that mentor where the patient is still included in it, right? Because that's mm-hmm. my job since I'm a little higher along in my learning to, you know, take that role and, and know where I need to be standing to include that energy. Right. Now, I'll, I'll share a little bit with our Cragetarians and I've... Um, discuss this a little bit in other ones, but this is one that um, Tanya will probably put a warning on for people. One of the reasons that this, this was so traumatic for me is because I was raped. And the scene that I remember the most was me laying in a bed with someone over top of me, close to my face, and then a semicircle of other humans around me. So you can see why in this 
radiation that I need to go through. I'm laying there half naked. Right. I have my arms over my head. My mm-hmm. head has to be lifted. Uh, there's 11 inches between my collarbone and my chin. I can't move. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't remember oral trauma, but in working with my dentist, and I have a trauma-informed dentist now, I think that there must have been some oral trauma based on some things that have happened during dental work with me. Mm-hmm. If we imagine that, the next thing that I have to do while I'm in this position is put a device in my mouth that is kind of similar to what you would put in your mouth for a snorkel. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. fighting back gag reflex. I am a yogi, so I have learned through decades of my personal practice. I'm a nose breather. Mm-hmm. I have to mouth breathe for 20 minutes, which really dries out your mouth and your esophagus. And you already have dry mouth from chemo. This device then comes up and a hard, the piece that connects to the machine is hard. It's heavy. So when it's snapped in, you can feel weight pressing down on your two front teeth. Mm-hmm. I'm also in blackout goggles so that I can see a video screen. Then they clamp right. off your no- then they clamp off your nose. Mm-hmm. And your itself being, is traumatic. Just the description of that. Yeah. I'm being pushed in and out of you know, this, this CT scan, I don't know what the right. radiation, so like how much you. space. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm in this little confined space too, right? So no control, no, no autonomy in any way, really. They, and the, the nurse that stayed in with me went very slow. And I had, they had sent me a video for this uh, CDX. It's called the CDX Voluntary Breath Hold Device. Mm-hmm. And I watched it to, and I saw what was going to go in my mouth. And I thought on our honeymoon, Nick tried to teach me to snorkel and I couldn't do it because, you know, the goggles come down over your nose and eyes. You can't nose breathe. Mm-hmm. And we were just practicing with my snorkel. I never went underwater. So there was always <laughs> an air thing to do mouth breathing. And I just freaked out mm-hmm. to do it. So I had said to them in the beginning, I said, you know, I'm really concerned about this breath device because I don't do well with snorkeling. What everyone in the room heard was I wasn't going to try to do it. And I kept saying, I'm going to try because I'm concerned for my heart. I'm going to try to meditate through everything I can do with all my willpower to make it through this. But I'm concerned and I feel like I should share my concern so that if I do have a panic, you know, someone's there quickly. Mm-hmm. So I finally get them to hear this and they say, oh, no, OK, you're all right. But even at the end, they said, you did well for someone who thought they weren't going to try. And I'm like, that's not what I said. Right. I said I was concerned. And. And honestly, you're breathing through this device and you have to, there's, the device is kind of like a light gray. Mm -hmm. The line that you're breathing in is this royal blue. 
at the bottom of the screen is like a slightly darker gray line. So you're supposed to inhale and the line goes up. You exhale down to this gray line. As soon as you're in the gray line, you have to hurry, stop your exhale and inhale again. You need to hit that three times in a row before the machine will then bring up this golden yellow color at the top of the screen. And you have to inhale only into that yellow screen. And then you have to hold your breath with the inhale held in for 25 seconds. And that's when the dose of radiation will come in. And the idea behind this for the creditarians is because when you're holding your breath, then the heart drops slightly, right? Because the lungs are inflated? Correct. Or is it on the exhale when the lungs are deflated? No, it's on the inhale and your heart drops down. Just a little bit. So it's kind of out of the way of the radiation that they're going to zap in. Which, you know, my, I have heart, if I don't have cancer, I have heart in my family, right? That's my medical history. So I already know chemo went through all of my body everywhere, right? And Mm -hmm. I'm already worried about my heart. So I feel like this is the third thing that I have to be worried about with my heart. So I really want this to work for my Mm -hmm. well-being. Yeah. So I'm trying to, if you swallow, here's the other thing. If you swallow that line gets all squabbity. Mm-hmm. If you slightly don't make the mark in into the bar or slightly out of the bar, the machine starts again. So not only am I in this device trying to not have a panic attack from past trauma and working right. through that, now I have to breathe at a cadence that isn't mine. Now mm-hmm. I have to make sure that I make it into these things and I even asked the nurse at one point, I said, at what point, what's the best time to swallow? Because every time I would swallow, right. I'd get the reminder, do you have to go to the gray or you have to? And I wanted to be like, stop saying that. There's simple directions. I get the directions. I'm trying to stay mentally present and not be triggered with my nervous system, <laughs> not be triggered in my mind. Uh, to and to be able this- to cooperate. Get Mm -hmm. this breath cadence that you need that is completely not my natural breath. Now I have dry mouth. My esophagus is sticking together, which isn't helping the gag reflex of everything in my mouth. Right. Uh, And so the perfectionism in me is like on red alert. It takes so much of your whole being to make this work. And I have to do it for 30 minutes five times a week Mm. for five weeks. And Nick, you know, when I went out, I was showing Nick the the device and they didn't send me home with the nose thing. So I'm going to have to hold my nose, but I've got to start to practice. It won't have Mm -hmm. the pressure, but start to practice this thing. Sorry. Sorry, like to pop onto our um, <laughs> podcast. She's making a cameo appearance. <laughs> I guess I need to start taking my watch off while we uh, record. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, it's it's really, I, I don't know how it's going to go or how I'm going to to make this work with everything. um, I mean, that's a lot like, so obviously I can see when you said that you had like this radiation trial run 
Um, and I was like, oh, that's that's interesting that they'd have you do that. Obviously for good reason. Um, so at least the forethought is there for you to be prepared in this way that you know all of these things. You would think, though, I know that you have the the traumatic background and that's got to make it, I don't even know how many more times harder, but it doesn't sound like it would be easy or comfortable for anyone. Like it in, in itself sounds traumatic, if that makes sense. Yeah, I was sharing my experience. Kind of not be able to breathe through the nose and yeah. Mm -hmm. I was was sharing my experience this morning with one of my clients that's a nurse practitioner uh, and works in hospice care. And uh, she brought up, she said, can you imagine what someone who's older than you, Mm. not in that good of health, an elderly person must be them? And I thought, Mm -hmm. this is, and, and I really, I really am not sure that I understand fully what the, device does i mean it's a breath hold device uh they they say that it's a breath hold device to stabilize tumors affected by breathing motion during x-ray imaging and radiotherapy mm-hmm. for me it would be much easier if they were like count in for five hold your breath and there was a timer mm-hmm. that i hold my breath for 25 minutes like, even if they, you know, pinched my nose shut and all I had to do is close my mouth and then exhale. I'm well, I guess sure I don't understand. Does this. Yeah. Why do they have, like, I can understand why the visual is there. Like, you need to hit the marker kind of like where to be perfectly. Why can't you do that through your nose? I, I mean, guess. The, like, what is yeah, the difference between mouth breathing and nose breathing that you can't? Like, I know what it is as far as like nitric oxide in your brain, and it's better to breathe through your nose. <laughs> but what a, is, why do they need you to breathe through your mouth? And you get more air down into your lungs through the nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the only reason for it to be mouth is because that device that clips on, I think, measures my amount or volume must be i'm not a hundred percent sure that i understand it uh fully because on my way home i kept thinking what how am i going to make this work and what is the what is that device actually doing it's not like it's putting radiation down in my throat um and so once i was out of the machine and could think about it a bit on the way home i thought if I can stay present enough when I'm doing my three, you know, ups and downs, if I can also count how many seconds that is, perhaps mm-hmm. I can just start my own counting and I can make it work better for me. For because if, if, I, yeah. if I can count it when I go in for my first treatment, then I can come home and start to practice that cadence. You know, is it five mm-hmm. seconds in, five seconds out, five seconds in, five seconds out, five seconds in, five seconds out, five seconds in, hold 25 seconds. Right. You know, because then they say, you know, then she would say after I did one is breathe normally. And I, you would see like this huge exhale come down. Right. 
it's common in yoga to come into the parasympathetic nervous system. It's common for us to use uh, a longer exhale than inhale. And mm-hmm. so it really to get through everything that I've been getting through, that has been my main breath, my main go-to breath. And now it appears as though they want an equal ratio breath mm-hmm. and with a 25 second hold after the inhale, but that equal ratio breath isn't conducive with my natural breathing pattern. I, I feel like I'm being asked to hyperventilate and hold for 25 seconds. difficult and and agitating to the nervous system that's already agitated from the positioning that I need to be in. Well, and I wonder if you, there would be a a number of questions and I don't know if there is a nurse in the radiology department that you could text these or, you know, email these questions to. Um, But I, you know, whether or not the the mouth breathing, because what I'm thinking and I I have no idea I'm speaking completely out of school um is that the device you have breath control you know the ins and outs of your breath and hows and whys and all of those things the lay person the Joe off the street doesn't have that much control and may not know so I could see where the visual would be important to hit the markers because you know not everybody's counting an inhale and an exhale not everybody's making a deep yogic inhale and exhale that's one of the first things when you teach a yoga class your inhale and exhale is a yoga inhale and exhale <laughs> is much longer <laughs> but I'm like hold this for five breaths and they're like uh no my five breaths were over five breaths ago <laughs> so <laughs> so like I I understand that perhaps the device itself is is designed for people who don't have knowledge or control over their breathing but if you were to get the cadence down would it even be necessary for you to have the device or is the device also reading for them yeah you know what I mean right it would be for me personally it would be much easier if the person controlling the device had a timer a stop timer and I could see that same timer because because I have a breath practice I could easily in inhale for five seconds exhale for five seconds do that three rounds and then hold my next inhale in for 25 seconds um because I had shared I think I shared with you personally that you know when I was getting my last massage I could see their clock in the room and so while I was getting my last massage and they were working on my, you know, my surgery, surgery site, I was pro- already practiced holding my in-breath in for 25 seconds. Tw- mm-hmm. I can do 20 comfortably, you know, five seconds was a little, that last five, I had to really think about it. But um, there's a saying in uh, some of the integrative uh, cancer books that you look at that yoga steals your breath. And it's from the treatments uh, and then mm-hmm. specifically where my surgical site is, right? You, your fascia around the rib cage gets tight. And so I've really sure. been working on uh, breathing into various types of my ribs as part of my recovery process. So, you know, they did, 
they they always the nurse would always repeat like you're in control you can take stuff out whenever you want but mm-hmm. every time you do that then you've disrupted your treatment and you have to start back right. at the beginning so you, you don't really want to do that the doctor did say you know hey if, if you can't do this at all I don't know what it'll be but we'll figure something out right I don't want to compromise my healing either mm-hmm. so if this is the best we have at the moment to protect my heart, then I've just got to figure out a way to rally around it somehow. Um, right. But it's not going to be, it's not an easy ask. No, I mean, it doesn't sound like it at all. And it, mm, I don't know, from, from your perspective, because of your knowledge, it seems to overcomplicate it. Um, that said, I think that your plan to count it out for yourself so that you can practice with the counting is is probably your best best case scenario. But I would still ask <laughs> why why mouth breathing? Can't why can't I do this through my nose? Because that to me it just seems I, I honestly, I, don't know. I, I it's a good question for me to ask. <laughs> it, it is counterintuitive. Um, the volume, I think, is is different. Mm-hmm. I really think it's just because of the engineering of the device. Yeah. But it that that is my assumption that I'm making at this point. But uh, it, it's a good question for me to ask them. Why, when this was devised, why can't it be nose breathing? And, you know, I don't know. Maybe there are many patients that cannot breathe through the nose or, Mm -hmm. you know, this is just me with my condition. And I know the machine is used for a variety of conditions. And who knows, maybe a variety of conditions have to do mouth breathing. Um, But it just makes more sense. Yeah. Well, and maybe the bright side of this is when all is said and done, you will be able to snorkel comfortably. (laughs) (laughs) Nick can finally get his wish that I can uh, dive and snorkel. You guys will get that long-awaited vacation (laughs) and you will just jump right in and snorkel away without even second thought. Yeah. Well, (laughs) for some of the lines where they put, uh, they put like a sticker down and then a clear plastic over top of it. So there's no more tattooing. Um, And so now I have these stickers on me that will stay on uh, throughout the whole process to help guide their lines and such. So, uh, you know, I go in next Wednesday and we will see how this all transpires. Yeah. So Wednesday, it starts with the daily or Wednesday it starts I I have 7 a.m 7 a.m appointments I'll be getting up at 4 35 o'clock uh, to head out for my 7 a.m appointment uh, once I finish my appointment I'll be driving back and then working a full day trying to get mm-hmm. my movement in uh, as well and then getting to bed and starting the whole process over again I do that for the entire month of February and into the first part, first week and a half, two weeks of March. Do you get days off? I, I Was it five days a week? Yeah. You or get is Saturday, it just 25 you, days in a row? You get Saturday and Sunday off uh, okay. to rest. Radiation 
Um, you know, I mentioned chemo goes through the whole body. Radiation has a targeted area and its job is to disrupt the structure of the cancer cell so that it cannot, um, multiply or thrive. It's to kill the cancer cell. Right. So what that means is that, um, it needs to be a consistent dose given regularly over a long period of time so that the side effects start to build just like Mm -hmm. the killing of the cancer cells start to build. Right. Oh, well, onward and upward, Kim. That's the, um, the next leg of this journey sounds like a challenge. That's a challenge in its own way, right? Yeah, but you will meet it exactly as you are to be. When you were like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And it's exactly however you need to do it. Trust in that part. (laughs) (laughs) Meet it, meet it with that, that. That whatever it is that you need will, or whatever needs to happen will happen. Absolutely. No. Wow. We're going to give it our best shot and see what happens. That's right. That's (laughs) That's right. So we will probably in another week or two update our Courageitarians on um, how things are going with that and what that experience is like. And, um, you know, in in a month, then everyone will will know where, where it led you as far as to snorkel or not. (laughs) Uh, thank Thank you you so much for for sharing kim thank you everybody bye show notes and resources grow on our website wherethelotusgrows.com if you're wanting to engage with the topics we present in a deeper way it's a great place to go for a more immersive experience and links to pertinent show information you can also connect with us on facebook twitter instagram or subscribe on our website to get our weekly blog, personalized weekly mantra, and links to listen to the show. We're so grateful for all the reviews, recommendations, membership support, and suggestions that you provide us. As always, our member platform is at patreon.com backslash where the lotus grows. This is where you can go to donate to the show to help keep us going and get a few rewards for your support. Thank you, Courageitarians. We love having you as our sangha, Until next week, remember, though we are professionals in our field, the topics discussed and or advice given is general information and not intended as treatment or diagnosis. Please seek the guidance of a medical, integrative health, bodywork, or yoga therapy professional for full evaluation.